The unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha. Homage to the Dharma. Homage to the Sangha. As some of you know, we have a new statue of Manjushri Bodhisattva in our meditation hall. It's beautiful. Just been made for us. And in this form, he's dressed in the simple robes of a monk, sitting on his beast of self. Actually, Manjushri usually sits on a beast. And sometimes he has a sword, sometimes he has all his Bodhisattva crown and all his jewels and stuff. When he's in the meditation hall, He's wearing his his simple robes. He's just an ordinary monk, ordinary person, just sitting still on his beast of self, which I'll come back to. Manjushri is the bodhisattva of wisdom. He represents our own aspiration for wisdom, that deepest wish of the heart to know the truth for ourselves and to live by it. And he sits in the meditation hall because wisdom comes from meditation and stillness. But wisdom is not quite what we might think. You know, here in the West, we tend to think, I want wisdom. We want to be wise, all-knowing. And we want it on our own terms, to some extent, to have wisdom in addition to all the other things of our life, just a sort of a nice addition to make it nicer, more comfortable, better, you know. But this is completely understandable. But actually... It's looking through the wrong end of the telescope. It's taking something big and making it into something small instead of the other way. Wisdom is not something we gain. We don't get it. It's something we practice. It comes through us. It's something that we have access to when we open up to it, like a kind of pipe. It's not ours. It just comes through us. It's got nothing to do with me. Just sometimes... And we all know what this is like when suddenly we act from wisdom without thinking, I'm going to be wise here, or I'm going to be wise. Just we do something, do the right thing, do the necessary thing. Wisdom comes through us. Somehow we do the thing that's needed. And it has nothing to do with us in that sense. So there's Manjushri sitting on his beast of self. This is not an evil beast. In fact, is a somewhat humorous beast and a benevolent beast and is wide awake. It's going to is ready to run off with Manjushri if he takes his eyes off it for a minute. If he's not paying attention and sitting still, the beast will run off with him. Well we all have our own beast of self. We all have our own selfish nature you know, a selfish nature, a me. We're born with a me. It's completely natural. We're born with selfishness because it helps us to survive and to live our life. To protect ourselves, to get what we need, then to get what we want, or not what get what we, avoid what we don't want, you know. And the self helps us with all of this. However, it has problems. It makes us feel like a separate being. Me, and then there's everybody else, everything else. Me, separate from everything and everybody else. Me, my own little world, my little bubble of self. And that thought gets us in trouble, this feeling of separation, me 
versus everybody else. Thinking that what we want or what we don't want is the most important thing, that we're the most important thing, more important than anybody else or anything else, what I need or what I want. We all know what that's like. You know, when, if I'm sick, it's really important to me, then it's more important than if somebody else is sick. You know, somebody I might know distantly, I'm really sorry, but it's not the same as me being sick. Here it is. You know, we all have that, actually. And this feeling of separation or feeling of this important self, you know, it's what causes us to become angry, fearful, greedy, selfish, and so on. And all these things cause suffering. All this sense of me and what I need and what I want and what I don't want as the most important thing. Cause suffering for ourselves and suffering for other beings. And our job is to train this beast of selfishness so it doesn't run off with us. Well, Manjusri does not hate his beast. He doesn't keep it in a cage. He sits in meditation on his beast and keeps an eye on it. Kindly. There's a kind of sympathetic thing there. They're one being, in a sense. He loves his beast. The beast loves Manjusri. But he doesn't let the beast run off with him. It doesn't help us to hate our selfishness. We just have to train it with kindness and compassion. If we can be kind to our own selfishness, our own mistakes, then we can be kind to other beings when they make mistakes, when they give in to selfishness. Because we're not different from other beings. Everybody has their beast of self. We have our beast of self. And if we didn't, it wouldn't be very much fun to to live with because we'd be perfect up there and everybody else would be down here somewhere. We're all the same. We all have a beast of self and it's not an evil beast. It just needs to be trained. We can all see the great harm that people do when their beast of self goes rampant, when they're obsessed with power or money or sex or anything actually. People start wars. They treat other people out of their life savings. They profit by other people's sufferings, and so on. Just horrible things are done because of rampant selfishness. We're all capable of all these things. We're all quite capable of any of these things. We all have that selfish nature. We're not separate from other beings. And as I said, our job is to train our selfishness and thereby stop creating suffering for ourselves and others. And by training our selfishness, we're practicing wisdom. Wisdom, the antithesis of selfishness. Central to the Buddha's teaching is that there is no permanent, unchanging self. We're not a separate, permanent me. In a sense, there is no beast. And yet, we all have selfishness, and we all need to keep an eye on it. But this sense of being a separate, permanent self is the the fundamental delusion. Everything else comes out of this delusion of me being a me. And all our greed and anger and fear and so on comes out of that, the selfishness, this feeling of being a separate me, an important me. It's ignorance, a basic ignorance of the way things are. Wisdom is not a matter of having some wonderful experience and then being all-knowing and wise. An experience can help. It can teach us. We can learn from it as long as we don't cling on to it and make it mine. Oh, I had this wonderful experience. I'm enlightened. Now I know everything. 
No, we don't know everything. We still have to train our beast of self. And an experience of any kind can become an obstacle if you cling on to it and think we're enlightened or that we're better than other people or that we're wiser than other people or that we can't make mistakes, make horrible mistakes thinking that. And wisdom is not a matter of figuring it all out and having some kind of intellectual understanding. It can help. You know, it's why the Buddha talked about the three marks of existence, the three characteristics which many of us are familiar with. Everything has these characteristics. Anicca, nothing lasts forever. Everything changes. You can't hold on to anything. Nothing is unchanging. Nothing is permanent, including us. Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. Nothing makes us happy forever. And many things cause us suffering. There's always, all beings have suffering. If you have a body, you've got suffering, one way and another. Anatta, no separate self, no permanent self in anything or any body, including us. And to reflect on these things is immensely helpful, actually. It's why the Buddha talked about them. But it's not the same as seeing them truly for ourselves. Well, if we're looking, we can see that things are constantly changing. We look around, we see, we get older, you know. People we knew 20 years ago, they look a little different now. We look a little different now. And we can learn that things don't bring us lasting peace and happiness, partly because they change all the time, partly because we can't keep them. People, they leave us, they die, we die, you know. Things change, our relationships change. We have a nice new car, and five minutes later it's scratched. <laughs> but it's harder to see that there's no permanent self in anything. It's hard to grasp. Seeing changeableness, impermanence, yes. Seeing such unsatisfactoriness, yes. No separate self, well, that's a bit tricky. It's hard to see. Because we are so, it's so entrenched, we're kind of hardwired for self. We feel like a self, you know. We certainly feel like a self. We've been taught that we have a self, and that we need to protect it and make it happy and give it everything it wants and make it be successful and all that. And that's the purpose of our life: to have happy, successful, functioning self. But this is not actually so. Something in us knows this. It knows there's something more than just living for myself. We're not satisfied. It doesn't make us happy, and it doesn't work in the end. <clears throat> so we want to live in a different way. We want to see through our ignorance. Hang on a minute. We want to find true wisdom to help us see through this feeling of a self that does not make us happy. To find true wisdom, what helps us with this is to work on our selfishness because we can do that. Understanding that there is no separate self is not always easy, but we can work on our selfishness because we know what that is. And selfishness obstructs wisdom. It's the antithesis of wisdom, as I said. To recognize our beast of self and train it with kindness and compassion. Not with an iron rod of discipline and not with indulgence either. No. 
it's okay to eat chocolate. It's okay to watch a movie. We don't have to um, live like Spartans or, you know, ascetics. But you need to recognize our selfishness and train it. When we recognize a selfish impulse, we can choose to let it go. If we don't recognize it, we've probably been carried off by our beast of self. And I did think, oh, I'd like some chocolate. It's not a hideous thing. It's okay. It's, oh, my God, it's a selfish impulse. I mustn't eat chocolate. It's not like that. It's more like wanting something at the expense of other beings or wanting something and not being happy if we can't have it. If I cannot live without chocolate, you know, then what am I going to do when the chocolate famine comes? If I, if I can't, you know, make do without things then I'm going to be enslaved to them. If I can't live without feeling, without being constantly praised, then I'm enslaved to that, and I have to be constantly propped up and made to feel better. To see our selfish impulses in subtle and in coarse ways, our greed for something, our grabbing for something, you know, doing something would be better we didn't do. Actually, maybe... Being unkind if somebody is, you know, criticizing us, getting defensive and, you know, that's selfishness. Or getting angry about something, even something seemingly righteous. There's a self there. I think this is wrong. I think I'm going to stand up for it. If you're angry about it, there's an angry self in the middle of all that, no matter how good it seems to be. Grabbing something it isn't ours to have, you know. Lying because we're afraid and so on. These are all forms of self. And to see these impulses and to choose not to act on them is liberating. I'm not a slave to chocolate. I don't have to lie because I'm afraid of something. Just sit up straight and say, yes, this is how it is. We're not enslaved by our selfishness. And we can see it for what it is. Just recognize it. Ah, self. It's okay. Everybody's got a self. It's all right. I don't have to be ashamed of it. Just to be careful and not let it get out of hand. Not let it run off with us. And then as we continue to train ourselves, it gets more subtle. And we see our little critical or unkind thoughts, maybe never voiced or acted on. Our little meannesses of mind and so on. Little judgments. Little judgments about other people. Judgments about ourselves. It can be rather uncharitable. That's a self, you know. Even um, judging ourselves. It's a self we're judging. Self-judgment is a self. And we don't, we're not trying to be perfect, to police our every thought and action. Otherwise, it would be pretty difficult to live with. We just become a seemingly perfect self. A perfect self. Instead of a selfish self, I'm a perfect self. I'm still a self to just do what needs to be done, to see what's, what's needed to be done here, just to sit still, you know. Seeing where, about, where we're about to make a mistake and letting go, just recognizing, ah, don't want to do that. It's not a good idea. Training the beast. Our beast will never go away. Our sense of self is entrenched and it doesn't just go away. Maybe when we're completely enlightened, it will go away. But I'm not there yet. I have a beast. We will always have a self. And Yusri still has his beast. He's a bodhisattva of wisdom. Sitting in the meditation hall, and he's still got his beast. 
But we can work with this beast, with ourself. We can work with it with kindness, with compassion. Because in fact, our beast herself helps us. We learn from our selfishness. And we can learn to have compassion for the selfishness of other beings. If we didn't have any selfishness, we couldn't be kind to other beings who make mistakes. You know? None of us is separate. None of us is perfect. We're all pretty much alike in many ways. Some of us know that selfishness doesn't work and it only leads to suffering. And some of us don't. So we continue to act on it. But if we know that, ah, selfishness is not the way it just makes me suffer and cause other people to suffer. I don't want to do that. I'd rather act with wisdom. Then we can do that. To recognize the beast. All beings have suffering. Life isn't perfectly easy for anybody. No matter what it looks like, no matter what somebody's life may look like, they may, they, you know, everybody has suffering, one way and another. And as I said, if we were perfect, we wouldn't be able to understand what it's like not to be perfect, to make mistakes and to suffer. We wouldn't have sympathy or compassion for others. Stillness. Manjushri sits in meditation. He's in our meditation hall. To sit still is to give ourselves to this very moment, give ourselves to this moment, to allow whatever is here to be here, not trying to get something, not trying to get wisdom, but giving ourselves right here, right now, stillness to this very present moment. We don't gain wisdom. We sit still and we open ourselves to it. It's not ours, as I said. And whether we're sitting in meditation or we're living our daily life, to be still, not just to react to things, but to consider what's best to do here, to take a breath, to wait, and see what's good to do, rather than just leap in and do something, because sometimes we don't do the right thing. We might not get a clear idea of what's needed, but we can at least sit still and allow something to arise. Maybe we have to just act and we just do our best. But to sit still, to open ourselves up, to allow wisdom to come in, to be still in the midst of the conditions of our lives, even when they're, especially when they're really difficult, just to sit still. What's needed here? What do I need to do? And I'm not the center of the universe. This is a very comforting thought. We're very small. You go out and look at the stars. They're huge. They're enormous. There's far more than you could possibly fathom. Huge things. We're just this tiny little being on this tiny little planet. It's comforting. We're not the center of the universe. We do our best with it, though. Do our best with what we have, with our little life. To do our best to act with kindness and compassion for ourselves and for other beings. We practice wisdom we practice stillness, we practice kindness and compassion, and we train our selfishness. We're not trying to get something, we're giving ourselves to something a whole lot bigger than we are, whether we think of it in terms of the universe, the stars or whatever, or Buddha nature, which is far bigger than we can comprehend and encompasses everything. True wisdom, we're giving ourselves to true wisdom that embraces everything. And we're trying to live in harmony with it. Open ourselves to it and live in harmony with it. 
because that's what our heart truly wishes. And that's our talk for the day. Thank you.